sharing that with us and done. <clears throat> Amen. So uh, we're going to talk about something uh, for our sermon today. Uh, I, I, I started to call it Faith Inspired by Truth, and that really is what we're going to talk about, truth. But what I wanted to just ask you is, how do you know when something is true? I know something's true. The facts point to that. Okay, so the facts, so it, the reality points to it. And so, you know, so if I, if I go up to the top of the parking garage here and I decide I'm going to jump off, which uh, I did as a kid, you know, you, I don't know if we had, it was a sheet or you, I think every boy has tried this, where you jump off of something with some piece of fabric pretending it's a parachute, and it always works out poorly. Like you know, and so hopefully, you know, like me, when you did it, it was only you know the top of a garage or something, and it, it proved the fact that there is gravity, and so I, I could believe anything I wanted to about you know my invincibility or how gravity doesn't affect me. But as soon as I jump off the building, then when I hit the ground, reality suddenly strikes. Right. You know, so it, it becomes apparent that it's true at that moment in time. You verified it. I verified it. Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes you, you can believe things, but when reality strikes, then truth is revealed. Now, how about if you're on the flip side of it and you're trying to create a lie? So you're trying to lie to somebody, and hopefully none of you have ever tried to lie, but you know, you probably have. You know. Have you ever been pulled over by a police officer? Yes. Anybody? I have. And what does the police officer always ask you? Do you know why I pulled you over? Boy, do you know why I pulled you over? And yeah. what do you say? Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, and the truth is, I probably do, because I probably was going too fast. Or, and maybe you guys are more honest than me, but that's just sort of my nature is. Now, but if we, and he might believe me. He might believe that, you know, I was... Think about Jesus on the way up from Montclair this morning, and, and it could be true, of course. But how about, if, you know, if someone came in this morning and said, down in the lobby, I saw Elvis. It was incredible. No, no, not, not an Elvis impersonator, the real Elvis. Right. Okay, who would believe that? Anybody? Nobody. So that's that's not even a very good lie. That, that's a poor lie. Why? Well, because Elvis has been dead for a long time, <clears throat> and if he was even alive... In the winter, he had no business being in Burlington, Vermont. He'd be somewhere warm. You know, it's just easy to sort of disprove all that. Right. I mean, think about it. So if you were going to make up a lie, where do you start? Close to the truth. Close to the truth. So you make it near the truth. So it wouldn't be Elvis. Who would it be? I saw Beyonce in the lobby. I don't know. I mean, that's <laughs> close. That's probably, what's that? Bernie Sanders. I saw Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. That's believable. It is very believable, yeah. I remember we first moved here, my wife, Jeanette goes, Who is I saw this old guy in, in, in uh, Michael's craft store, and I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know any old people in Vermont. And then she said, I thought about it for a while, and I went, oh, it's Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't know him, but I've seen him. And so I guess he was in there with his wife picking out beading material. Oh, no, something for crafting. <clears throat> so that was more believable. Oh, okay, it was Bernie Sanders. I, I, I sort of believe that. That was closer to the truth. And you think about it then, so if, if you were going to be led off by something that was fabricated, it's probably mostly true. You know, it's mostly correct. It just has a little bit off to it, and it could be deceiving. So I wouldn't tell you that you can fly, but I'd tell you, let's well, not really 10 stories down. It's only 10 feet down. You just jump off. 
<clears throat> so that would be a bit of a lie. It's, I'm, just li- I'm not lying that it's down. I'm just lying about how far it is. <clears throat> so when you step off, you then find out the reality when you go off and you get down. So let's look over in John chapter 8. <clears throat> let's spend a bit of time here with Jesus. Because Jesus had to deal with that. And there's a lot of people today that believe <clears throat> that uh, faith or the Bible or spiritual things don't stand in the realm of reality. But they stand in the realm of faith. And after all, <clears throat> is faith, I mean, I think that's really the change is there was a time when faith was based on truth. At least that's how we thought about it. <clears throat> but now we've changed the word, I think, to be that faith is things that you're not sure of. <clears throat> I believe them by faith. Even though the Bible says faith is what you're certain of, <clears throat> what you're confident in, what you really believe. And <clears throat> so it becomes easy to sort of translate, okay. Faith is not based on knowledge. Anybody ever heard that? Just based on my alone? Anybody heard that? Yeah. Did you know that in in in, in the uh, in the Gospels, Jesus says, "I tell you the truth." A lot of times. Anybody know how many times? Seven. Fifty. Fifty, Fifty times yeah. Jesus says, "I tell you the truth." And usually, I was just looking at it this morning. Usually, it's followed by a prophecy, like he's really predicting what's going to happen. I tell you the truth. This is really going to happen. This is really true. Barely, you know, in the King James, barely, barely, I say unto you, right? It's translated, uh, I tell you the truth. So he was telling the truth. He didn't say, I'm telling things that you can't be sure of, and you'll have to wait to find out if they're true. He said, no, no, these things are true. They are true. They will be true tomorrow. They will always be true. So in John 8, verse 31, let's walk a bit here, a little conversation that Jesus is having. He says, Then Jesus said to those Judeans who had believed him, If you continue to follow my teaching, you are really my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's interesting. So you have to follow the teachings of Jesus to actually know if it's true or not. Have you ever experienced that? You know, you could tell me, Oh, yeah, well, lifting weights will make you stronger. And just by believing it, I don't get stronger. And so, but if I lift them, then I tend to get stronger. And I do, actually, you do get strong when you lift weights. Somebody says, somebody told me, well, you can swim a lot and it will make you, make you lose weight. Well, I've tried that and it worked. Like, for some reason, swimming doesn't make me lose weight. It makes me stronger. But I don't, didn't know that until I tried it for a week or a month or two months to experience that. And so, doing something gives you confidence that it's true, helps you to realize the reality any more than stepping off the roof lets me know whether it's 10 feet down or 10 stories down. I know immediately when I try it out if it's true or not. And Jesus said that when you do what he says, what he teaches, what he called them to do, then you'll know the truth and then the truth will set you free. Let's keep going. So they, they didn't like that. They said, we're descendants of Abraham. They replied, and have never been slave, anyone's slave. How can you say you will become free? Well, if you think about it a minute, if you've ever read the Old Testament, remember Exodus? <clears throat> what were they exodusing from? Slavery. They were in slavery, right? They, they, <clears throat> Jews had been in slavery, not just, in, not just to, the, to Egypt, but they'd been in slavery to the Assyrians and in slavery to the Babylonians, and now they're in slavery <clears throat> to the Romans. So they were already a bit deceived, but, <clears throat> you know, Jesus answered them, I tell you the, the solemn truth. Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
The slave does not remain in the family forever, but the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you're really, you will be really free. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you want to kill me because my teaching makes no progress among you. I'm telling you the things I have seen while with the father. As for you, practice the things you have heard from the father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus replied, if you are Abraham's children, you would be doing the deeds of Abraham. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who told you, who has told you the truth I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You people are doing the deeds of your father. Then they said to Jesus, we are not born as a result of immorality. And think about it. We're not, we're not bastards, right? You are. That's what they're saying to Jesus. You are. Jesus, you know, he was born of odd, you know, immaculate, you know, basically no father in the scene right there at the moment. It's like, wow. So they're throwing it back at Jesus. And he said, Jesus replied, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come from God and am now here. I have not come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? It is because you cannot accept my teaching. You people are from your father, the devil. And you want to do what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not uphold the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he lies, he speaks according to his own nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I'm telling you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among you can prove me guilty of any sin? I'm telling you the truth. Why don't you believe me? The one who belongs to God listens and responds to God's words. You don't listen or respond because you do not belong to God. Wow. That's pretty strong. That is. You know, he's, he's saying, he goes on, he, he goes on and talks more about it. But think about it. Jesus confronting really the children of Abraham, the, you know, the Judeans, the Jewish nation. And he's saying, you know, no, you, you, you're not following God. And when you don't follow God, you are believing a lie. You're believing the devil, who is the, the father of lies. That's his native language. Wow, it's, it's challenging when you think about when you think about the truth of God versus lies. You know, it's, it's this idea of you know not just physical slavery, but they were in spiritual slavery. They were sin, slaves of sin. It was corrupting how they were thinking. You know. Uh, it's just, you know, in First John, John says there, he says, the one who says, I have come to know God, yet does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in such a person. So really the test is, do we keep the commandments of God? Do we follow God? Is that really where our mind is going? Is that how we find truth? Is that where truth is revealed in us? Look over in John 10, verse 10. Does this make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know if you thought about John 10.10. It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it abundantly. So the devil comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And so some of the caricatures of the devil you see, like, oh, he's he's got those funny red horns, you know, or he's, he's sort of cute or he's sort of deceptive. And yet... Jesus says, no, he's coming to kill 
and steal and destroy. What's he stealing? He's stealing your relationship with God. He's stealing eternal life from you. He's corrupting your relationship with God. So when you have a, you see those, the other one is, oh, there's a good angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other, and they're talking in your ear, and they're, you're, they're trying to decide, well, should I do this thing? Should I not do this thing? Imagine the image Jesus is saying here, no, he's coming to destroy your spiritual life. So when you get a chance, when you have a thought, or we'll talk about it in a minute, when you get that temptation that, oh, I could do this, I could get mad, I could get you know angry, I could swear, I could hurt somebody, I could I could do that. What's at stake there is is a big thing. It's it's destruction, it's destroying your relationship with God. Because <clears throat> you think about it, it starts one step at a time. I, I use the weightlifting analogy. I, I've proven that just going to the gym one time does not make you huge and strong. <laughs> you know, I, I hear it takes at least two or three times. You know, and and you know, having one slice of cheesecake does not destroy it, but over time it does. You know, I, I have tried that, and that works really well. <clears throat> and so it's this progress. And so if we think about every small thing we do, every little step toward God is shaping who we are. It's changing who we are. Every time you pray. Every time you fast, every time you reflect on God, every time you're thankful, it's changing you to be a bit more like God, to make you a bit more aligned with the truth. And every time you choose to do the opposite, every time you choose to do to be angry, <coughs> anxious, or whatever else, your list, you take one more step. So everybody, you're always in the constant state of being formed, either to be formed more like God, more like Jesus, become more and more and less and less like God. So it's this continual journey up or journey down. <clears throat> so instead of thinking that, well, this will not hurt, this will not hurt my spiritual relationship, well, it will. <clears throat> it may not be huge, but it will hurt. And this one thing, well, if I just take a few minutes to pray <clears throat> or to encourage this person or to do this this little bit, that helps too. <clears throat> it's a journey. It's this ongoing thing. It's believing, you know, the uh, it's believing the truth here that. We're in a spiritual fight. We're in a spiritual battle. Um, has anybody read uh, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis? Yeah, long time. Long time ago. So that if you haven't, <clears throat> the premise of the book is that it's a letter <clears throat> from the devil or from a, a, a big demon to a lesser demon who's trying to tempt somebody. <clears throat> so the lesser demon is trying to do things, and he, he keeps on messing up. He's not, he's not a very good devil. <clears throat> so the big devil is just writing a note saying, no, no, you shouldn't have done that. And so in one of the, one of the uh, stories there, it says, he says, well, it's, it really doesn't matter if you, like, it's really helpful if someone doesn't believe in the devil. You know, the devil, he said, we love that, because then we can sneak up on him. And, you know, we can really surprise him. Like, so if they don't believe in the devil, then that's great. But he says, the other one is, we don't mind it if they're just, they think the devil's involved in everything. Now, if, you know, you have to be a bit older, but, you know, remember the devil made me do it? Which is have come. Well, you know, the devil made me do it. Or, you know, was Flip Wilson. We, we had a fight this morning. Oh, it was just the devil came in and really caused my wife and I to have a big fight this morning. Oh, oh we were on the way somewhere. We were late. And the devil made me have a flat tire. And so C.S. Lewis said the devil can become this magician who does everything. You know, it's, it's not my fault. The devil did it. The devil did this. The devil did this. And in, in the book, he says, we love that too. Because they just blame everything on the devil and nothing on themselves. So you think about it, it really is, what Jesus is teaching us to think about is that Satan is having this battle against us. And he's, he takes the time in John here to really dig in a bit about who Satan is, 
It isn't saying, oh, be really careful on his miracles or the flat tires he brings or of the fights he incites. And those wouldn't be wrong. I mean, those come about. But they come about, why? Because of lies. Because of the truth. So Satan, his, his angle, Satan's angle is not so much to do physical things, but it's to, to mess with your mind about what's true. So Satan wants to get in and really deceive you with ideas. He wants you to think that it, things don't matter. He wants to think that it's okay to have an enemy. This person's evil. I'm just going to be their enemy. And Jesus said, no. He says, you have to love your enemies. So Jesus, so Satan comes in and corrupts what Jesus said and plays around in our mind to get us to do his will. Not the opposite of sort of grabbing me by the hand and making me do stuff. The devil made me do it. Or even naively saying, well, the devil is nowhere in our, in our universe. He's not doing anything. And he's actually working on my mind, on my heart, and trying to change my mind. That's why Jesus said, like I said, 52 times in the Gospels, tell you the truth. Because <clears throat> Jesus is about truth. He's not about lies. That's what he does. Jesus helps us <clears throat> to see what is true. And when you know what's true, then you do what's right. When I know that I'm on the 10th story, I mean, you haven't been around me, I'm, I'm deathly scared of heights. Like, I just, you know, it's a, it's a panic attack thing for me. I wouldn't get anywhere near that, that ledge if there's no railing on it. I might jump over to parachute or rappel off, but I'm certainly not getting close to it all on its own because I'm, I, I'm really afraid of that. And for me, that's, that's helpful. You know, I have not fallen off the top of a garage. I'm not climbing on my ladders in my house. I'm not doing any of that. But, you know, that for me is, is the way I avoid it, the way it impacts me. But So when you think about it, when we believe the truth, is it good or bad? It's good. It's good. And in fact, you flourish, right? You do well. When you believe the truth and you follow the truth, it's amazing. God actually works in your life. God, the truth is the truth. And so when you do it, it is good for you. It's good for me to stay off the ladders. I flourish because I've never fallen off of them. But there's lots of other things. You know, loving my neighbor, loving my enemies, being humble, as Steve was shared about, that Jesus teaches to be. Those are all good things. They make us flourish. They make us stronger. They make us do well. But if you think of the opposite, when, when a bit of a lie gets in there, when I go, oh yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, if I look at that or I read that or I watch that show, it's, it's just got a little bit of, of, you know, evil in it. So I'll be okay. I'll be good. I, I can handle a bit of that in my life. I can handle a bit of that. You know, it's, it's not really stealing to take this. It's not really that bad. You know, anytime I say it, it's not really that bad or that awful, <clears throat> what am I doing? I'm, I'm getting a bit of, of the cancer in there. I'm getting a bit of the, the corruption in it. it. I'm getting a bit off track. And, and the more I get off track, eventually it's a struggle to thrive. <clears throat> you know, if, if you've ever lied, and you have to keep on lying to protect the lie. And even I read this week in the New York Times, they were just talking about how, how can certain people like George Santos just lie, 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 lie. Everything he says is a lie. And there was a, a court case where they sued somebody says, this guy lied. And the judge ruled that, well, no, this person lies all the time. And so anything they say is, is a lie. And therefore, you really can't hold a person to believe them to be true. And so, so they can get away with lying because they, everybody expected them to lie. 
what, what is that? <coughs> you know, wow, a new reality. So there's a new reality even out there that lying is just normal. You should just expect, you know, you expect used car salesmen to lie and certain politicians to lie. And that's just normal. We're not going to hold them accountable. Well, that's, God holds them accountable, but, but that can become our feeling too. Well, you know, it's not really that big a deal, you know. You know, I, I didn't get a ticket last time I drove 95 down 89, so maybe I'll try 97 this time. Maybe I'll try 100. Um, I won't do that, but you can think about it. You can get drawn off track. Jesus even talking about that. He, he's alluding back to Genesis 3. Remember when Eve was in the garden? And what did the devil say to her? Did God really say that you can't do that? So he didn't say, yeah, he didn't lie. He just cast the truth in doubt. You see, is that really what it says? Is that really what you want to do? Is that really what God wants? You know, evil, evil comes about because we start to believe the lie. And we start to say, it's okay. That'll be all right. You know, it's it's... And even, you know, I think about it, telling lies, that's one thing. But what really is the corrupting thing? It's living the lie. <clears throat> I can tell you, hey, Larry, jumping off the top of this building, it's awesome. And, you know, Larry goes, okay, whatever. But it's when Larry goes up there and actually jumps off the building, when I, I start to believe the lie enough to carry it out, to act on it, to, to do what it says, that it really starts to impact me and change me. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, as a society, we've started to come to believe that you really can't know what's good. You really can't know what's wrong. You really can't know the difference. You know, that God can't be known. That it's, he's the unknown God. You can't, that's really how it started to become, to be perceived around us. That, there, that God, and people that believe in God, that follow God, they're not basing it on truth. They're just basing it on unfounded belief. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you can know these things for, for sure. And what you hear then from that way of thinking is that, well, you can only go by your own personal truth. So that might be true for you, or true for you, or true for me, but it's not true for the next person. And what's, the def, what's our definition of truth again? It's reality. <clears throat> true is true. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I, I, I got this idea, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. There is. On the top of this building at the 10th story, you jump off, that's absolute truth. And that's what God said is his principles are true and they're right. And you can lie about the truth all you want or you can, you can deceive it, you can corrupt it, but it really is true. It really have an impact on you. In John 17, Jesus said eternal life is knowing God. You know, in 2 Timothy, Paul said, I know whom I have believed. These guys were going on the facts. They were going on the truth. <clears throat> they were living the things that they believed in. They were living out facts and not lies. <clears throat> so let's, let's wrap up here. Let's look over in Romans chapter 1. Thank you. <clears throat> so Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. Where is it? <clears throat> Romans in
All right, well, we'll just jump to verse 25 because uh, it's not, not jumping off the uh, page of my tablet here. In verse 25, it says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. <clears throat> Worship served the, creator, the creation rather than the creator who is blessed <clears throat> forever. Amen. So and I thought it was in 111, but he, he really is making this point that it's possible to to believe a lie. like to, And that's what happened to them. They, they started believing the lie so that they they did not see the truth. So that was really what got them astray was this idea of of um, getting you know getting up you know that you can suppress the truth. So have you ever suppressed the truth? Have you ever done that? Suppress the truth? Probably. <laughs> it's not so bad. You know, try this. It's not so bad. Um, you know, it seems like, um, you know, before I became a Christian, that was sort of just the way you normally work. You say, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be okay. You can do this. You can do that. It won't hurt you. Um, so we begin to deceive and talk about, you know, oh, it's not so bad. You know, it'll be okay. Um, you know, you, you can do that. You know, let's watch this show. Pick, pick your show. I have one in mind, but I won't because some of you may watch it, but... And somebody said, well, that, that show has, it has a, a, a number of nude scenes in it, but just don't watch those. It'll be, it'll be okay. <clears throat> okay. And so I, someone suppresses the truth to me. I go and say, you know, what am I going to do to the next person? Yeah, yeah, I watched it. <clears throat> just don't watch these things. You know, don't, don't live out that way. It'll be okay. I start to suppress the truth. You know, when I think about, you know, it says, I'll put no vile image before my eyes. You know, that, that's a pretty strong thing in the Psalms, right? So that's the truth. You know, suppressing the truth is, oh, it won't matter so much. You know, oh, you know, you don't really have to do that. You can get away with that. And then it becomes, a little bit later here, he says, they exchanged the truth for a lie. They just said, you know, in verse 25, we'll just get... You know, what was true, we've changed it out for a lie. And so when you're changing out the truth for a lie, John 8, who who are you following? The devil. <clears throat> you know, you're not following God at the point. When when the truth gets replaced by a lie, <clears throat> then we just know we're we're speaking the devil's native language. <clears throat> that those things are happening. And so that's really for us to consider as we're trying to see God, it really puts a strong wall around do I want to see the truth <clears throat> or do I want to sort of consider, you know, there being the possibility of, of a lie. Let's, let's wrap up here in, in Luke chapter 4. Verse 1. So this is, this is Satan uh, having a little outing with Jesus, and probably a familiar passage, but it, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, Luke 4, 1. Was, was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he endured temptation from the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were completed, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So the devil starts with the truth, right? What's the truth? Are you the Son of God? Absolutely. That's truth, right? So what should you do? Well, just command this stone to be bread. You know, leverage that spiritual power you've got. <clears throat> and Jesus responded with the scripture. He said, man does not live by bread alone. And the devil led him to a, to a high place and showed him in a flash all the kingdoms of the world 
And he said to him, To you I will grant this whole realm and the glory that goes along with it, for it's been relinquished to me, and I can give it to anyone I wish. Is that true? It's true. He's the, kingdom, he's the ruler of the earth. Satan has control of that. He totally could have given it to him. And he says, So that if you will worship me, that's the lie. Then all this will be yours. And Jesus' answer is written, if you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil brought him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and with their hands they will lift you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And what did he do? He used scriptures now. So the devil said, okay, if you're going to counter me with scriptures, let me just take a scripture here that we both know, and let's try and apply it in a way that's not quite right. Jesus said, you're not to put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had completed every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. It's interesting. You know, here Jesus, at a time when you think he would be the most weak spiritually, he just fasted for 40 days. He really is, uh, it's probably our misunderstanding of fasting. He's, he's, he's the most strong he's going to be because he's been relying totally on God for his sustenance for 40 days. <clears throat> and at that point, the devil comes along and challenges him. And he says, you know, I'm going to rely on scripture. And even if you come at me with scripture, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to respond the way God wants me to respond. That's why thinking about that. He's putting it into practice. And so, I think just to finish up, how do we get strong and, and avoid the lie? Must be cold in here, but it's looking pretty cold. It's uh, <laughs> warm up here. It's really to, to do what Jesus did. It's to pray. It's to fast. It's to go back to the Word. It's to trust in God. And really, when something seems too good to be true, as we always joke and say, it probably is, it's really to consider when we look at the Scriptures, we look at what God wants us to do. How do we overcome that challenge from the devil is by being a spiritual man or woman. By really seeking God with all our heart, by seeking him through the word, through prayer, and really relying on it to dig back in. So let's let's pray right now, and then we'll have a closing song. Father, it's, uh, it's just a privilege to be your children. God, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you for just having a time of thanksgiving this week where we can reflect on just how grateful we are to you for all that you've done. God, help us to continue to be that way. Help us to fight the challenges of Satan, Father, as he tries to lie to us. Lord, help us to be just men and women of the truth. We love you. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.